Now I'm hearing something about pickleball. What the fuck is that? And I'm hearing something about live events potentially happening for that as well. Yeah, pickleball. Not, not pickle, Rick, pickleball. You know, it basically, basically, right, it's a mix of, so badminton, it's take like a tennis racket. I was trying to explain like this. A tennis racket, you know how it's like an oval on the end? It's like basically a tennis racket, but it has this big like square. It's a wolf, like a big kind of wolf, yellow wiffle ball kind of thing. And then it's a tennis court. So it follows all the rules of tennis, but it uses this bigger ball and it has like a bigger racket. And, you know, this is like a, it's growing, this sport is growing like 690% this past year, which is nuts because you see all these other sports declining, like MLB, NBA, NFL, et cetera. They're all declining in numbers while pickleball is growing. And, you know, the, the USA Pickleball uh, Association, you, get, you know, that they basically came out and they said it's not even like old people playing the sport. It's like growing in uh, the younger generation. And you see like big time names investing into it, like Gary V, uh, et cetera. And, you know, I think this could actually be like a, a big time sport because it's more accessible to people. Um, it's an easier sport to uh, to basically learn than than tennis. It's kind of like a uh, a playoff of tennis, and you know it's not even that expensive to play. Like if you look at football, you have pads, you have helmets, you have uh, you know all that all that kind of shit. It, that that's expensive. That's an expensive sport, and you know in this day and age in the economy, not a lot of people have this kind of money to uh, give their children to play sports. So you could get started with pickleball for like. A racket costs like twenty dollars on Amazon, or like Dick's Sporting Goods. It's like literally nothing, and a ball is maybe like I don't know five dollars. So like for under twenty five, and then it's basically like a park, like any anywhere there where there's a tennis court, and they have like tennis courts all over the place in parks. You can just basically play pickleball on the court because it uses the same court as a tennis ball. So all the infrastructure is already there. They don't have to spend any money on infrastructure. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be like a big time sport. You know, there's a lot of people investing into like leagues and stuff like that. I think this is, this new sport is going to grow on the horizon, and this might be like investing in the NFL in the '30s, like you know Rooney and the pitch and the Pittsburgh Steelers. That this could be like a big time investment if you can get a hand in uh, one of the teams in like the uh, premier pickleball league. But it's kind of hard to determine what league is going to become the premier pickleball league uh, for the USA and the world. Yeah, I was just reading a little bit about this in the th in the time that you spoke about this. It looks like Mark Lazary of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, I believe he's the co-owner of the team. He's like a big investor with uh, Gary V. That's so interesting. Anything where there's like a new frontier, particularly in the realm of sports, I'm all in favor of. I love learning about stuff like that. It seems like such an interesting thing. I'm definitely going to have to explore that further. But uh, as yeah. far as anything like where you see this sport going um, – like, where do you see this sport going? Like, what time of year is this thing kind of played? I would imagine probably not in the snow. It looks like it's mostly outdoors unless they have uh, indoor pickleball um, arenas. But well, it's, uh, played, but it's played. It's played in like the same environments that you would play, like say, like tennis or something in that regard. And you know, it's they, gaining traction. They have like these big tournaments or whatever like that. Like, there's like hundred thousand dollar pickleball tournaments where people are entering. So, with money comes, you know comes all incentives and you know it's drawing a lot of people into the into the sport and then you know there's a hundred thousand dollar tournament there's a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar tournament in new york city there's all these like big time tournaments so you might even see some like tennis players like move over to pickleball like say some of the lower lower uh tier tennis players that 
can't win tournaments, et cetera, they might shift over to uh, pickleball. And I think that's an interesting strategy that they should explore trying to get some tennis players over to, you know, maybe they'll bring over their fans in a new sport. Maybe they'll bring over some eyeballs. That might be something for them to explore. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Totally agree. Mr. Joe Biden, he, you know, he thinks spending money is uh, reducing inflation, but it's quite the opposite. It actually exacerbates inflation. And he passed this uh, $80 billion bill, right, apparently to reduce inflation, but it's not going to reduce inflation. And in this bill, he provided um, the IRS or the Internal Revenue Service with $80 billion in funding. And, you know, he said that this funding is going to allow the agency to serve the taxpayers. Wow. It's going to allow them to serve the taxpayers, which means it's going to allow. Uh, what were they doing um, before that? Were they serving taxpayers uh, before? <laughs> oh, sorry about that. What were they doing before that? Were they, they weren't serving taxpayers before and now they are going to? Like, what the fuck? What is this guy talking about? I don't, I don't think you can, you know, count an agency that's taking money from you. I don't think you would say that's serving. Usually when you serve somebody, right? You, you know, you're washing their feet, you're doing it for free, you know, you're you're at service to them, not you're taking money from that person. That's not being at service. But yeah, he said basically that this this infusion of cash, $80 billion, a huge sum of money, is gonna allow the IRS to basically enforce their tax laws and their and their tax codes um more efficiently. And it's gonna help them basically uh go after high net worth individuals. We already know this is not true. I network individuals, they already get audited every year. You know, large corporations are already getting audited every year. This is going to basically allow them to have more money to go after the common man and the common folks. And, you know, they're still behind. You know, with COVID, they still they still uh, didn't process like 10 million uh, returns from uh, 2021. They're still working on that. I don't know how they're still yep. a year behind. They're such a defunct, dysfunctional uh, organization. And, you know, they said basically Janet Yellen came into the scene and she said, oh, this money is going to allow us to basically, you know, form this AI service so that we can have like robocalls. And if people want to call the IRS to ask them questions, I don't know anybody who's calling the IRS to ask them questions about like, you know, the taxes and everything like that. You have to be very uneducated if you don't know how to file out a tax return. I never even heard that before. And they're going to be making these like call centers. That sounds like a total waste of money to me. You know, they're basically, you know, forming new technology systems and they're going to be hiring these more, uh, more employees, you know, to replace the retiring workers, you know, 50,000 IRS workers. So this, all this seems like, you know, a whole big waste of money doesn't seem like it's going to pay off. They, you know, they're going to be auditing more people they are going to be doing this and that. And this is just so, you know, the Democrats are doing this so that they can basically uh, spend more money as they like to do. They, you know, they just can't stop spending. They're like a, a woman in, in in a Gucci store, a woman in a product store. They have to spend that money, and they just can't stop. So they'll do anything to basically raise more money. If the if the uh, man they're with doesn't make enough money to get them the next purse, they dump them and they get somebody else. That's what what the IRS is doing. They're trying to collect more more funds so that they keep spending their money. <laughs> That's such a good analogy, though. It's like honestly pretty factual. Um, but yeah, the thing with the IRS is like, they're pretty incompetent. Um, and they, a lot of people are afraid of them and rightfully so, because, uh, you know, they, there really are two ways the IRS can go after you. Um, if they claim that there is uh, material underpayment of taxes, they can only go back seven years. That that's the, um, statute of limitations. Uh, and that's of 25% or more 
uh, material underpayment. Now, if they say that and it's eight years, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to get off. Like, they're not going to come after me. But what they do is then they just go, oh, tax fraud. And the reason why they just throw that around is because there is no statute of limitations. So they could theoretically go back as far as they want. The other thing is they can come up with whatever fucking number they want, because the reality of it is this. Most people, when they're in a situation and they're filing their taxes, do you really think they're going to save 30 years of tax returns? Probably not. So if someone wants to go after you, they could just go back 10 or 15, 20 fucking 30 years, whatever, and they'll go after you and say, you know, in 19 fucking 85, you know, you paid us 10 million and you were supposed to pay us 11. And then they go, well, then you got to add an in interest and in all this shit. And then they come up with like a $20 million number or whatever the fuck that they say that you owe them. Uh, and we see the IRS get like politicized and weaponized against, um, you know, people who have dissenting opinion uh, from whoever is, uh, you know, running the country and uh, whatever uh, faction uh, has the majority in Congress and in government. So it happens all the time. On, and it's a dirty game. It's played on both ends of the political spectrum. But, yeah, the IRS, uh, you know, getting this money, this 80 billion or whatever, it's really not going to help them because, you know, people who don't pay taxes or very wealthy people who pay, you know, very little in taxes, they're smart. They have the best accountants. They have the best understanding of the tax law. They, they know the internal revenue code inside and out. And if you look at the system and the way it's set up, it's very simple. The, the way the tax code is set up, it is set up to incentivize you to create a business, to take chances, um, to start opportunities for people in the form of hiring, in the form of PP&E, that's property, plants, and equipment, in the form of investing into um, worker productivity, in the terms of, of investing into um, the, the capital markets. And, you know, if you take advantage of that stuff, you end up paying less in taxes. And people have a fucking shit fit when I, when I say that, but that's just what it is. Business owners assume more risk inherently because they're putting their own capital on the line. They're putting their own assets on the line to start a business and to choose to employ people. Employees don't take a risk. Therefore, they get they get kind of the shit end of the stick. They get taxed at the highest rate. They get taxed at anywhere from 30 to 35% when you combine state and federal taxes. And businesses pay very little because if you have, you know, some type of flow through entity like an LLC, an S-Corp, or, you know, even like a sole prop or a partnership or, you know, limited partnership, the losses and uh, gains will flow through to the personal returns. So a lot of times the business uh, write-offs that you're entitled to, um, you know, for being an employer and for taking that chance in opening and operating your business, uh, you know, you get a, you get a lot of uh, tax breaks that flow through to your personal return. And these people, they have a shit fit about it and they go, but it's like, this guy also employs 50,000 fucking people like Warren Buffett talks about it all the time about how he pays very little uh, in taxes relative to like, you know, and that's as a percentage, of course, compared to his secretary, like his secretary is taxed at a higher rate than him yeah, because all of his money comes from fucking qualified dividends where he pays long term capital gains taxes of 20 percent. So and then you pay like another it's like another three point eight or two point eight. And it's that's like the. uh something like the investment income tax or some bullshit that they came up with a few years back to get more money out of people. But the whole point is like, yeah, he pays like 24% or whatever. And he lives in fucking Omaha, Nebraska. So the tax rates there aren't bad. Like they're really cheap. So, you know, it's this whole thing where people, they, they just keep complaining, but it's like, you need to educate yourself and you need to look at the system and realize that 
you know, you're incentivized to invest into American infrastructure, whether that's in the form of creating your own business and employing people, or like I said, investing in capital markets. So, uh, and yeah, no, the IRS having their own little hit squad is cute, but I don't think it's going to change much of anything. I think the biggest offenders uh, of, you know, people who don't really pay taxes, it's uh, they're using legal means or they're just putting money offshore. And there's not really anything that the IRS can do because that's outside of their jurisdiction. So it's like a uh, tough fucking luck, man. <laughs> You know, so in terms of spending and the IRS kind of going crazy. Yeah, I, I like your point that you made about, uh, you know, buying the Gucci bags, you know, those Gucci bags, they don't they don't fundraise themselves. You know, you got to got to make some money and figure out how to do it. That's right. You know, you always got to look for funding. But the reason I bring up football is that Forbes actually just released their top 50 most valuable franchises. And this list is 50 of the most valuable franchises in the entire world, right? So this includes American football teams, MLB teams, NBA teams. This includes all you Euro bozos. This is Barclay Premier League teams. This is Euro Cup teams. This is fucking everything. Uh, so you'd think like in terms of, you know, soccer clubs, you think about Chelsea, you think about Man U, you think about Man City, you think about PSG, all these clubs that are worth a ton of money and all 32 NFL teams were ranked on that list, which is astonishing. So you're talking about 32 out of the 50 here. Let me check the math on this. This is probably nothing. It's probably like well, you know why, right? 64% of the list. There you go. You know I just why? did the math and I guessed at the same time. Fucking crazy. 64% of the top 50. Why are they so valuable? Because when you look at other sports like the NBA, baseball, and everything like that, they have guaranteed contracts. NFL is one of the only sports without guaranteed contracts. So they should be valued more since they can just get rid of their players on a dime. And there's no liabilities, basically, if their players get hurt or injured like there is in the NBA and the ML MLB. So I, I would pay more for a uh, NFL franchise knowing that I could just cut somebody on the whim and I don't have that liability there and as a uh, detriment to my revenue. That's a really good point, but at the same time, with the NFL, it, it depends on the position. Obviously, it depends on your skill level. If you're a quarterback, like most quarterbacks in the NFL, even if they're like decent quarterbacks, they all pretty much get guaranteed contracts. Receivers, not so much. Receivers, it's like half guaranteed. And then running backs, it's like a quarter of the time. It's guaranteed. So usually, like if a running back signs a big deal, he'll only get like a quarter of the money. And then he'll get a lot of money in like workout bonuses and – um, in terms of like milestone bonuses, like, you know, like a performance bonus, but the quarterbacks get guaranteed money. Like Deshaun Watson signed that like $235 million deal with the Browns. And that was fully guaranteed. And I know Lamar Jackson's negotiating his deal as well. And his deal is going to be pretty big too, I would think, but he kind of took a huge risk. Like he's basically just betting on himself this season. He's pretty much sitting there like, Oh, I hope that I fucking don't get hurt. And I hope that I just light it up so I sign a crazy deal. So that should be interesting to watch. That's something that uh, we're going to get to see transpire, and we're going to see if him betting on himself is going to pan out. Because apparently he didn't have an agent either for his deal. He was just straight up negotiating his own deal because I guess he doesn't want to give an agent 10% of you know $200 million or whatever the fuck the contract value would be at. But he's looking for fully guaranteed money, and apparently the Ravens are not looking to give him that, even though – uh, Steve Biscotti, the owner, he he definitely's got the money for it. He's that guy's fucking loaded. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, I believe they offered him uh 
five years, $230 million, uh, the Ravens, and he declined it. He turned it down, and he basically is betting on himself. It's kind of like uh, the Aaron Judge situation when you look at it. At the, at the beginning of the year, the Yankees um, offered him a contract, and he turned it down also. But it, it, it looks like it's going to pan out for uh, Aaron Judge. So we're going to have to see uh, throughout the season if it's going to pan out for Lamar Jackson. It looks like he's doing good. The first game of the season, the Ravens won. Uh, he, he had a pretty good game. So we're going to see. Uh, if it turns out and pans out for him, hopefully it does. I think that Jackson's been uh, kind of talking about some of this stuff on Twitter. It's sort of like a he he said, she said situation. But apparently he responded to a fan who tweeted and mentioned him and said, uh, oh, you know, he was offered $230 million guaranteed. He turned it down. And Jackson was like, they never offered me that. So, you know, he's trying to say they didn't offer him that. The Ravens are trying to say otherwise. So we don't really know the details of everything. But to be fair, if anything does get leaked and it's something that he wants to get out, you know it's him leaking it because he doesn't have any agents or representatives. So it's either him or someone in his camp, like his family or you know, maybe someone he's like uh, very closely friends with or like a confidant. So it's very interesting when that stuff kind of comes out because teams will leak shit and they'll try to make the guy look like a dick. And they'll be like, oh, this guy's a diva. Like, he doesn't want to play football. Fuck him. And they'll kind of do that to, like, have some leverage in negotiation. So, But some guys don't care. Like, they just play into it. Like, Darrell Rivas, the, you know, renowned corner for this for the Jets. And he also won a Super Bowl with the Patriots when they played uh, the Seahawks. But Rivas was kind of like that. Rivas didn't give a fuck. Like, he was like, oh, I want everyone to know I'm a businessman first. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, I'm getting my money, and I don't care. So... Some guys will play into it, and some guys, they really do care. So it's interesting to see. But I think Lamar, I tend to kind of believe him because I don't really see a reason for him to lie. And he, he's made it, like, abundantly clear. He You know, he's there to play football. He, he's not uh, – as much as he wants to sign a big deal and he wants to get paid, I think that if they make him a really fair offer, he'll stick around. I can't see him leaving the Ravens, especially with, like, how well that organization's ran. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I tend to believe you there. I don't think they offered him um, the $230 million. That, that comes out to like $46 million a year. And I think Patrick Mahomes, he's only getting, I think he got a, signed a 10-year $450 million contract. So he's getting 45 a year. So he, uh, basically Lamar Jackson would be getting paid more than Patrick Mahomes. And they're not even on the same caliber uh, of a quarterback. So I don't think they would offer him that. But then again, it the salary cap does go up every year. And, you know, you often see these differences between uh, quarterbacks that are much better. They get paid less than the people who are signing the new contract. So maybe it is. So I don't know how uh, the NFL salary cap has gone up over the years and how it's changed. Yeah, so how much is that Deshaun Watson contract? Uh, oh, here we go. Five-year, $230 million. So that would be $46 million a year. And then he got a $45 million signing bonus. I'm looking on Spotrack right now. Spotrack is great for looking at these contracts. That's what I'm saying. Wasn't Patrick Mahomes' is 450 for 10? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it doesn't but really this, make any what sense. You have to understand, what you have to understand is that the first guy to sign that contract, he sets the market, and then basically everyone else that's a franchise quarterback has to get paid as much as that guy, if not more. So that's how it works. Like you have to understand Mahomes signed that contract. He was kind of the first guy in that wave to sign. And then after that, then it was Watson and then a couple of these other guys, Murray and so on and so forth. Russell Wilson, that signing obviously affected a lot of things. So 
it's interesting to see. I mean, that's kind of bullshit, though. If, if that was the case, right? Right? What I would do if I was an NFL quarterback, I would just keep shining um, short-term deals. Then I would just bet on. I wouldn't sign these long-term deals because I would have other people reset the market instead of me. Because like Patrick Holmes is getting massively screwed now on this deal because you got all these quarterbacks that you know aren't even as good, good as him or even as close to being good, as good as him getting paid much more than than he's getting paid. And that's what a lot of the top guys do, especially outside of football and the NBA specifically. We see this all the time. LeBron historically has never really committed to a long-term deal. He would typically he's never signed a five-year deal. He would typically sign two-year deals with a player option for the third year. And then if the salary cap went up, he'd fucking he'd opt out. And if it kind of was stagnant, he'd opt in. And then that was it. So really what in LeBron's case, what he was betting with that like player option after two or three years is he's pretty much just betting that the salary cap wouldn't remain stagnant or go down in back-to-back years. And historically he's been right. So he's been able to maximize his contract values by not locking himself in long-term. The NFL is a little different with that. I don't know if there's necessarily player options like that, but I'm sure that you could easily just sign like a two or three year deal. And then when the salary cap inevitably goes up, you know, you get paid more proportionately. So, I mean, I don't see any reason why you'd lock yourself in for five years, unless you really were, one of those guys where you are, you were like, oh, I really need the money or, you know, you just wanted to put yourself in a position where you didn't want to have to worry about your contract all the time. I guess in that sense, it might be worthwhile. But if you, you know, you think like you're Patrick Mahomes, you probably had a crazy rookie deal anyway. Even if you don't make any money for the rest of your life, if you invest that wisely, like you could very easily, you know, get to age like 50 or 60 and have a net worth of like $200 million dollars just from the rookie deal alone. So, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't like for some of these guys, I don't get it. Like why you'd lock yourself in for five years, unless you just fucking piss all your money away. I don't see a reason to do it. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I could think of why you would do something like that is it only prevents you um, in case of an injury. And if that was the case, what I would do is I'd rather take out an insurance policy with maybe like a Lloyd's of London or some kind of an insurance firm to protect me if I get injured instead of like, you know, locking myself into these long-term contracts and giving up the upside there. I'd rather just insure myself um, in that regard instead of doing that. And I think it would pay off, you know, for these players better. This episode of the Anonymous Investors Podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Do you like our show and you want to make your own? Well, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. First of all, it's free, which is great. If it's free, it's for me. You already know how I am, folks. Number two. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone or computer, and it's so seamless and easy that I highly recommend it. Also, you can add any song you want from Spotify's library directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's for music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Anchor will help distribute your podcast so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Everything you need to make a podcast is all in one place, a nice central place. You don't have to worry about anything else. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you. And now back to our regular scheduled programming. And uh, (laughs) he's a bishop, right? And I saw this in the news and I'm like, what the fuck? There's no way this is real. So there's this bishop. And he's kind of like you. He likes his, uh, you know, luxury. Remember luxury? He likes his luxury goods. He likes his, like, little Gucci and Louis Vuitton and all this bullshit. So this guy, 
There's a video of him. I'm going to play it, and we're going to react to it in real time here. This is the first time we're doing this. Uh, and it's real funny because the headline is uh, Flashy NYC Bishop Robbed of $1 Million in Jewelry Heist. And it's and they say the Gucci-loving Bishop was robbed during a live-streamed service at his prayer on Sunday. So let's see this video. Let's react. Let's get your reaction in real time. All right. So this will be good. So here we go. I've got the video right here. Let me know when you see my screen. All right. So here we go. Do you hear it? Yep. We're about to go through. Yo. Yo. All right, right, right. All right, all right. Yo, all right. This looks like some right. Scientology shit. No, look, look, look. Look. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. All right. You guys got to look this up. It's on the New York Post. Just look up Gucci loving Bishop Rob, New York Post. It's so funny. Look, he's got a fucking iPad. The other guy's sitting in the background. Look, look. Guy's walking around with a mask. The Gucci bishop's on the floor. He's going, all right, all right, all right. He's like handing all the shit over. Look at this. Look at this. Look how funny. Then there's a guy that swings by. Look. Got the mask on. He's putting shit in his pocket. Walks right out. How fucking funny is I that? I didn't see him steal anything. What did he steal? Uh, yeah, because it was a still. Uh, but you could see him. You didn't see him pick something up and put it in his pocket. Yeah, I saw that, but I don't know. But it was and, and look, at, look at the look at the suit that this guy wears, bro. Look at this. Yeah, you can tell he's one of those like fraudulent pastors. Looks like. Look, look. It looks like the Caesars guy. You ever see the Caesars? Um, the Caesars sportsbook guy. Yeah, you know who that is? That's uh, JB Smooth. JB yeah. Smooth. This is Caesars. Like him. No, but you got to look at. You got to do it in the outfit. It's like an exact replica. That's the Gucci suit. <laughs> yo, look, yo. <laughs> yo. That's spot on, yo. He's Caesar. Look. Yo, he's flexing on us, bro. Look at him. He's got the Gucci suit on, man. Look at him. That's mad funny. Yeah, yo. You're you're right. You're 100% right. Look. He's got the fucking he's got the Gucci fit on. He's got the glasses. Come on. Who, who would give money to this guy? Look, he's got a fucking throne. What is that? He sits in that? Come on, son. Look at the suit, though. He looks retarded. This is the Gucci Balenciaga fucking suit. Who would wear this? This looks horrible, right? Look. Look, it's all over his legs and his arms. What the fuck? Looks stupid. But anyway. Uh, no, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, you know, today's video. That was a good one. But yeah, that, I just thought that was funny because it's just like, you know, why do these people do this? Like, why do they dress like this? Like, don't they realize that they just become targets and someone's going to see that and they're going to go, oh, this guy's got money. He's got some money at least. He's got enough money to buy that fucking suit, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously making himself a target. You shouldn't walk around like with jewelry like that. I mean, he's, he's going to be like one of those people in London. He's going to get his arm cut off eventually if he keeps doing stuff like that. Um, is that the guy, right? I've seen uh, a couple of these, uh, like these TV channels. They do like uh, these sermons on on on, uh, on the TV. Does he run like one of those TV channels? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think that's why he's got the iPad is because he like does a live stream and he reacts to the comments when people donate and shit. I just looked up this suit, by the way. You know, this suit's like three grand. Like you could just get a uh, like a Brioni suit, which will be a lot nicer. It's not as like obnoxious, and it's actually you know it's a nicer suit. It's a it's a better quality suit. It's not a uh, you know it's not like ostentatious. It's just a normal you got like a nice normal black or navy blue suit. You get to look like a big shot. And no one really knows what kind of suit it is unless you tell them. So you're not really a target. It's very subtle. you know. But these idiots, they want to buy the Gucci. You know, Who fucking buys that shit? It's dumb. It's the dumbest shit ever. Well, it's all present an image. He's presenting an image so that he can collect uh, more donations and then, you know, take the money from uh, the church. You know, a lot of these religions, they're scams. Even, uh, even Catholicism. We see the Pope reverse his stance on uh, on gay marriage and such, and he's a, you know, starting to accept gay marriage. And a lot of these religions, they're just going based on what's popular in the day, and they just go with the, what the majority of the people believe so that they can collect donations and take money out of their pocket. And these religions, they don't stand for anything. They just constantly change their mind and they go with the flow, and they're all for uh, collecting money, collecting donations, and you know they're not what they're made out to be. And, you know, this is a good good point, this hyperbole of what this guy's wearing, Gucci suits, gold, and, and such. But it's not much different from other religions. This one is just more obvious, and it's not as well-constructed. Like Paul Pierce, Kim Kardashian, and Floyd Mayweather, okay? Paul Pierce, total fucking scumbag. LeBron is his fucking daddy. Kim Kardashian... Ray J's her daddy. I mean, come on. Floyd Mayweather. Great boxer. IRS is his daddy. Okay? The three of these fucking yahoos and a few others were named in an Ethereum Max scandal. Ethereum Max. Maybe you've seen this. I, I'm not plugged in on Instagram like this, but I've had some friends tip me off about this. There was a fucking rug pull that was started. They called it Ethereum Max, and they called it that to lend credence and credibility to the scam. And then they pay off all these influencers to hype it up. These fucking dummies buy it, okay? And then they get rug pulled. And then the influencers get paid out of that, and the people who made the coin or they made the project, they make off like bandits. The only authority Paul Pierce has on anything, it's really in two things, the only two things that Paul Pierce has authority on is shitting his pants during a basketball game and pretending that he got hurt and he gets pushed away in a wheelchair and getting fucking owned by LeBron in the playoffs. That's it. That's all his authority. Okay. Now let's move to the next Yahoo. Kim Kardashian. If she's going to tell you how to... Build a makeup company, okay? Or how to use social media, you know, to garner marketing and to garner attention in the tabloids. That's her realm of competency. I don't think she can spell Ethereum, to be honest with you. And Floyd Mayweather, where do I start with this fucking Yahoo? Great boxer, 
probably the best ever. Probably the best ever. I like Tyson and I like Ali. But Mayweather by record, he's the fucking best guy. Owes the IRS a ton of money, folks. He fucking never paid out to the IRS. Still paying them off. He's on some type of payment plan. That's the word in the street. That's what was told to me. I tend to believe it. And I just saw that, you know, he had that whole exhibition with Logan Paul down in Miami. I wanted to go there for that. I was supposed to go there for that. I didn't end up making it. I wanted to go to Miami that week. I had some friends that said they were interested. They couldn't go. I didn't go. Whatever. Still fucking salty about that. Don't even get me started. It's the same week of the uh, Bitcoin conference. I really fucking missed out on that. But Logan Paul is still owed. He came out and he said on flagrant. That's Andrew Schultz's podcast. He came out and he said, Floyd Mayweather still owes me $5 million fucking dollars. $5 million. Okay. Logan, his purse was $20 million. Okay. And what he did was smart. He did the 183 days in Puerto Rico. Calendar days. So he'd be classified as a Puerto Rican citizen. So he gets out of paying federal income tax. Puerto Rico, like we talk about this all the time. Puerto Rico's got that 4% flat tax. That's all you pay. That's it. So the whole thing with Floyd Mayweather is that he fought Logan Paul in Miami. And Logan Paul was supposed to get $20 million. He paid the 4% flat tax because he's a Puerto Rican citizen. And because it was in Miami, pays no state income tax either. Florida doesn't have state income tax like Texas. I think Wyoming and a couple other states. So that's the whole thing that people need to understand. Floyd Mayweather is only good at dodging punches and dodging taxes. That's his specialty, okay? And that's what people got to understand here is that it's an unbelievable thing where people keep falling victim to these fucking crypto scams by these influencers. Unreal. Paul Pierce, Kim Kardashian, Floyd Mayweather. And of course, they're going to take the money. They don't care if it's at your expense. They don't give a flying fuck. Why would they care? Why would they care? They don't know you. They don't see the ramifications of their actions. So guess what? Stop holding these people in high regard. They're fucking shitheads, and they don't care about you. They see money. They want money. So stop holding them in high regard. It's not a situation. You know, they're not your friends. Oh, look what my friend Kim Kardashian put on Instagram. He put up another picture of her ass. Wow. Not your friend. Paul Pierce. Not your friend. He shits his pants. LeBron's his daddy. Like uh, Dave Ramsey said, that's why they call me daddy. LeBron is Paul Pierce's daddy. Hate that motherfucker. I mean, look, man. Paul Pierce was a good player, but LeBron owned him. And it was great. It was fucking great to watch. (laughs) That Celtics team with Garnett. I like Garnett. Garnett's a real motherfucker. 
Paul Pierce was a pussy. Rondo was a beast. And Ray Allen, great shooter. Great fucking shooter. But I don't like that he fucking... He did the fucking race and then went to join Miami. That was fucking lame. And yeah, you know what? The Celtics' big three by that point, they were done. They weren't winning shit. Because LeBron came in. And it was his fucking time to run the show. But let me tell you something. That was a good team. I love Kevin Garnett. I love Rondo. But Ray Allen, he, you know, he left. He should have went down with the ship. That was the right thing to do. Like the rest of them. And then, you know, you get traded and whatever. And then the team gets blown up. Anyway. Don't listen to influencers for advice on things. Crypto related. Okay. Buy your crypto from exchanges that are reputable, that are held in high esteem by the community, and that abide by the regulation that the government put in place. In particular, you want to deal with exchanges or companies in that space that abide by the strictest regulation. Airbnb. Airbnb, those communist motherfuckers. They came out and they said that their party bans are permanent. Now, I don't know about you, but that might be the most un-American thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. All right? First of all, we're Americans, motherfucker. We work hard. We fucking play hard, okay? We party and we have fun. So if you're going to be pulling some liberal bullshit like banning parties and and telling people hard-working tax-paying, God-fearing Americans, and you're telling them, oh, no, you're not allowed to party anymore. If you party, you get fucking banned, motherfucker. You know what's going to happen? Nothing. People are still going to fucking party at the Airbnbs, and nothing's going to change. And then when you ban them, they're just going to use VR bowl or some other fucking local thing where they rent a place and they party. That's it. If, if you're going to Miami or you're going to fucking Austin and you're getting a house and... You know, you're there with friends or whatever, and you're staying there for a week or, you know, however long. Like, you're fucking partying while you're there. It's just uh, an, an inevitability, especially if you're younger. That's it. You're just partying. There's no stopping the party. Party in the USA, like Miley Cyrus says. And you know what? These fucking communist motherfuckers, they should be ashamed of themselves. And really, when you look at their business model and you see how they don't make money, it it makes perfect sense now because they have management in place that clearly is very un-American and people don't really like that and they don't support the business. And that's frankly uh, a big problem. Well, I'm going to take the anti-hypothesis. Uh, I kind of agree with this with this uh, party ban, right? You don't want people, you know, throwing their semen on your bed and fucking putting semen on the walls and such. The cheeks? <laughs> Let me just say this. Let me just say this. This is a PSA. Listen, Airbnb, you got to listen to me on this Airbnb. Let me tell you something, okay? I just, I hate to tell you this. Airbnb, Airbnb, listen to me. Brian Chesky, I know you're, I know you're listening right now. I know you're a fan. I was tipped off that you're a big fan of the Anonymous Investors Podcast. So I want to take some time today and I really want to say this and I want to be very clear and I don't want you to think I'm mincing words and... You know, Brian, listen, I know you're listening, Brian Chetsky, okay? 
I know you're a big fan. We have mutual friends. We go to zero bond, okay? You know, we play nice in the sandbox, okay? But I need you to understand this. You can have all the party bands you want, and you can do all this other stuff, but I got to just tell you this one thing. The cheeks are getting clapped in the beds, and there's nothing you could do about it. There's nothing you could do I'm, about it. I'm going to disagree, che- right? Brian, Brian, Brian here. Brian, Brian, the the cheeks are getting clapped, and that's just what it is. Like the cheeks will always be clapped. The cheeks that's will it. not. They, listen, the the cheap clapping will commence. That's it. Listen, it will listen, never listen, go away. Listen, cheeks will not be clapped in Shala. Um, what you have to look at is right. You 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 put you basically should require. Uh, the person that writes down the name and books the Airbnb, right? You should you write down no guest, and basically Airbnb should have a policy where any guest come into the home, basically you put the fucking ring doorbell on, and if they come in, then you basically could kick them out of the place, take their money, and tell them Saranara, that's it, no party, no nothing. I got my money, you're out of the house, and then I book it twice, and I get double the funds. There will be no cheek clapping, right? There will be no jerking of the hand. There will be no fluid motion. There will be no blenders going off. There will be no uh, pegging going on. There will be none of that kind of stuff going on in the Airbnb. And there will be no cheek clapping because what's, what, what will be happening is I will be collecting my money. And there will be none of that going on. And I'll make sure of it through uh, many different mechanisms that I have in place. Let me just tell you something here. And maybe you don't understand this. But, but but here's what's going to happen. The cheek clapping will happen, and there's nothing this guy can do about it. And that's just what you have to accept. It's just a fact of life. And if you do anything with that ring doorbell or whatever, that's a violation of the guest Fourth Amendment right, which protects against unreasonable search and seizure, okay? When our founding fathers— Too bad. They don't own the property. Let me just say this. Let me just say this because the holiday just passed and people need to know about this. And this is really important stuff here. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk about it. Like I said, we are the paragon of integrity. The, the Anonymous Investors Podcast. We are exemplary citizens. High moral character. Okay. And let me just tell you something. On July 4th, 1776, when that Declaration of Independence was signed and the great country and the great nation of the United States of America was created, they then went into creating a Bill of Rights when they created their country, when they created their constitution and they drafted everything in place, okay? That Fourth Amendment, when they created that, no unreasonable search and seizure, a lot of people don't know this, but there was actually a clause, and there was like a little asterisk after that. You could go back. You could look at this. I think Ken Griffin's got the original copy of the Bill of Rights or like the second copy of the Bill of Rights. You go ask him. He'll tell you, but it's a fact. It's not a conspiracy. This is a conspira fact, okay? There's a little asterisk after it, and if you go all the way to the bottom, it says, this provision protects guests staying at Airbnb locations from being exempt from clapping cheeks, and, and it's just a fact of life. Okay, the founding fathers, when they created this country, cheek clapping was very important. It was very high up on the list. You think about the First Amendment. You're like, okay, free speech makes sense. Listen, Second listen, Amendment. listen. Second listen, Amendment, listen. right to bear arms. You know what the Third Amendment is? Oh, I bet you don't know what that is. That's um, soldiers cannot stay 
in civilian homes. They had a big problem with that. British soldiers were annexed to civilian homes and the civilians had to take them in. And the civilians were like, what the fuck? I got these fucking random soldier assholes living in my house. Get the fuck out of here. And the Fourth Amendment, no unreasonable search and seizure. I mean, it really might as well be cheat clapping will commence for all. You know, that's what it's about. You got to listen now. You listen. All right. And Fifth Amendment is self-incrimination. We all know that. All right. Listen, we don't care about that kind of talk. Listen, a, a renter of an Airbnb, right, is not really a renter. They're a licensed guest, right, with no tenant landlord rights. And they accept the fact that the landlord has the right to remove the party for any heinous acts. And that includes cheap clapping. Okay. You understand? So in terms of like my thoughts on him, I think he's definitely a troll. I don't think he's serious about a lot of the shit he says. I think a lot of it is just entertainment. But some of the shit I do think he's serious about is like some of the stuff that he talks about pertaining to like the new world order and like his view on money more specifically He's like, oh, money's not real. Like, money's just bullshit because of, like, fractional reserve banking. So he actually knows a little bit about that. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, okay, wow, this guy read a little bit online about that. So he seems to talk about that a little bit. But in terms of some of the stuff he says, I think he just goes for, like, he's almost kind of like how Howard Stern was. Like, he's just a shock jock. So he'll just say shit to get people riled up. And then it'll just drive traffic to his Twitch streams, which he's been doing lately with like Aiden Ross, XQC, and then the socialist, uh, Hassan Pecker. And his name's Hassan Piker, but I like to say Hassan Pecker because it's funny. But uh, yeah, he's just been like debating people and shit on stream. And I think the whole thing is it's kind of like a marketing ploy to drive people to like his two main things, which is like Hustlers, Hustlers University. God, you want to join Hustlers University for $50 a month and learn how to make money online? Uh, no, I do not want to join, uh, Hustlers University, but you know, he has a very interesting strategy with the way he does things. He doesn't make accounts. And basically if I had to guess what he's doing is he's buying all these bot, these bot accounts to comment on, uh, on videos and streams and such to, to, to basically provide the social proof to get other people that, you know, are not, are non bots to basically agree with him. So he's probably running like a sophisticated bot campaign to get more and more people to agree uh, with some of his claims, but yeah, a lot of the stuff he says is not too outrageous. And then he says some stuff, some stuff that is like completely out of completely outrageous and completely out of the question. And, you know, Hustlers University, um, it's basically just like an M MLM scheme. It's like those, uh, those knives, those knives selling kits or, uh, Cutco, Cutco, yep. yeah, Cutco, whatever the fuck. Or, uh, saying. Pampered, was it Pampered Chef or whatever? That's another yeah, one. Pampered Chef, Avon, Herbalife. Amway. Yeah, Amway, all those like kind of uh you basically buy into the program and then you got you you make money you don't buy into the program for like the benefits the program provides, but you buy into the program basically to sell uh to other people and then you get like an affiliate commission or whatever. So like all the people in the program have an incentive to prop up his brand and, and make sure like he looks good to uh other people. I mean it's only fifty bucks a month and to be honest with you. I mean, first of all, I don't know if I trust whatever, you know, thing he's taking uh, payments from, but for $50 a month, if you could figure out a way to get like a virtual credit card or something and just charge it for 50 bucks or like a one-time thing, you know, one of those like prepaid Visa gift cards or MasterCard things, I would think about it just to like try it out and then maybe I'll, I would do a review and post it and just give my thoughts on it. 
because I actually, uh, you were there with me too. We we did some shit years ago, and it's just so. It, all right, it's a funny story because we were just like laughing the whole time, and it was like really enjoyable for us. But um, there was someone that we used to know, and he was like super into like Ty Lopez. <laughs> and uh ty lopez is like the lamborghini knowledge in my garage guy with like the bookcases in his garage that's how i knew he was full of shit by the way who you don't keep bookcases in your garage like that's just not a thing like that you're a fucking retard especially because um when you think about it like you it's like okay the guy's walking around this like giant ass house in the next video it's like wouldn't you just put your bookcases in like one of like the 50 rooms in the fucking house or like wouldn't you just put in like the foyer or somewhere or wherever but nonetheless he you know whatever that's how i knew he was a scam but we knew someone who was like really into ty lopez and the guy like made us sit there and like watch this course that he paid for and it, and you know some of the information was like decent but it was like pretty run-of-the-mill shit of like oh create an llc open a business bank account um you know, go do this. It was all just like random fucking NPC bullshit that like everybody knows to do, or at least you could find it on Investopedia or like Legal Zoom or just somewhere like that. So that kind of made me laugh because I was just like, oh, well, this is all like pretty straightforward shit. Like you need a, you know, you need a C Corp or an S Corp or an LLC. Like, you know, you need reliability protection. It's like what any lawyer would tell you even if they were like a shit corporate type of lawyer for like a hundred dollars an hour or whatever. Cause like the best lawyers really are like, you know, $600 an hour and up, you know, you could get the best lawyers in the country for like a thousand dollars an hour or whatever. So anyway, but it just reminded me a lot of that. And you spoke about like the affiliate marketing side of things too. He claims that there are 110,000 people in that program, which means he's making something like, what is that? 5 million a month like 5.5 million a month gross which i highly doubt I mean, but he exactly, claims that it's a brand yeah, of course it's a, yeah how do you know how do you how do you know how many people there are he could say that and there could be like five thousand people like you would never know he also lives in a pretty cheap country doesn't he live in like romania or something like that yeah that's another thing too if you look at uh, countries with the most online fraud you got indonesia and and romania Indonesia has like 36% of all online transactions are fraud and like Romania is not too far behind in uh, the percentage of online transactions that are fraud. So if you put your credit card into his site uh, for Hustles University and he's based out of Romania, you, you got a one in three chance that the transaction that your credit card is going to be stolen and sold, stolen and sold. Uh, basically, they, they basically steal your credit card information. They sell it off. So I would be very worrisome of that. Yeah, that was like, like I said, one of the things about Hustlers University that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't know. But my main, th yeah, I mean, it does make sense, right? Like if he sets it up and he sells it as like a bullshit course, let's say 10,000 people buy it, which is very possible because he's been pulling millions of views. Let's say 10,000 people buy it. And he now has 10,000 credit cards. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way, like he, now he has information on the credit, like it, it's just, it seems, you know, like there's something else going on there. But I will say this. Like, I thought it was interesting how he just packed up and moved there. It's like, of all countries, he moved to fucking Romania. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Clearly, he's got something else going on. But he also kind of spoke about that a little bit. He says he owns 14 casinos. And he got in with, like, a, a family or something that owns these casinos. And, like, he 
they basically let him open these locations as like franchises. And I don't know, the whole thing seems pretty sketchy to me. Um, it's like with stake, like a lot of things with stake, like the online crypto casino, they, uh, they partner with like these other casinos. So like, if you play online, like live blackjack, right. And there's a dealer there, you'll notice they never have like normal names. They have like very odd names and you could be playing at like two or three o'clock in the morning and it's like daytime, wherever the fuck the dealer is. And you're like, okay, they're obviously not in the States. Like they're probably in Europe or wherever, but then you look and you talk to these people and they'll be like, Oh, we're in Georgia. And you're like, Oh shit. The country of Georgia. Like this is obviously a fucking scam. Like something's going on here, you know? Yeah. You just got to I would just take the, the free information that he provides online. You take the free information you take the entertainment value that you get from it, and you know I wouldn't put any money into the program. Like some of the stuff he says is valuable. Like he says, get different passports. That's that's basically uh, a valuable thing. You don't want to be under control of one government. That's something that he said is true. Uh, he said a couple of, like good things like that, but you don't really need to be in the program to get the valuable information. I I saw like the program. It's, it teaches you about copywriting and uh, like stock picks and crypto. Like that. That's not something that would be valuable to me. I don't know about you. What am I going to do with copywriting? Yeah, I would never use copywriting. And to be honest with you, people always kind of look at that. Um, you know how it's like people, maybe you've met people like this, but they're like the fake entrepreneurs. Like the the term for them that's thrown around colloquially is uh, entrepreneurs. They're like people who want to be entrepreneurs, but it's like a show. It's like an act but they actually don't like do anything. They don't take any action. Um, so like some of the people I know who are entrepreneurs, like they were like, Oh, copywriting, copywriting is, it's just all bullshit or whatever. And um, that's just something that everyone says to do like online. They're like, Oh, you need money, do copywriting. And it's just like, okay, dude, like fuck off, like go self cut code knives at that point. It, you know, it's just a joke. But as far as what you said, yeah, I wholehearted, I wholeheartedly agree. Just take everything. He says it, at face value and just kind of look at it through the lens of like, okay, you know, this guy, he clearly wouldn't be doing this unless there was some other motive for him to make money or some other motive for him to, you know, gain in the situation. And then there's the other thing. I don't know if you saw this one. It's called like the war room. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. It's basically like this it's so-called like collective of people that you could go to or basically contact to help you out in any situation or something like that. You got to pay a certain amount uh, per month to, to use it or to have this network. And they have like networking events that they set up. Yeah, exactly. It's like a whole collective of like ultra high net worth individuals, allegedly ultra high net worth individuals. Um, I think they're probably, you know, high net worth individuals, but I don't know if I'd say they're ultra high net worth, ultra high net worth being, you know, 50 million and up, whatever the case may be. But I think that, um, I think that's a good thought. Excuse me. I think that's a good thought process to have people like that in your circle or to try to at least strive to have ultra driven and ultra successful people in your orbit and people in your ear, whether that be mentors or like friends. I think that's really important. But at the same time, I don't think you should like pay to get in a situation like that or, you know, do whatever to get in a situation like that. I think you could build up that network on your own without other people and it'll be more genuine. And, you know, you could kind of do that genuinely 
um, I don't think you need to pay to like join a group or pay to join a club. Now, if you're talking about like, you know, you join the Freemasons or you join Rotary or you join whatever, and that's how you're able to meet some of those people and then start the network. I think that's a good place to start, but I don't think that's a place like, you know, where you want to like end, if that makes sense. Like you kind of do those things. So you meet people and you're introduced to people with, you know, different circumstances. But the main thing is like, you kind of use that as the bridge. And then once you cross the bridge, then it's like your relationship with the person is like outside of that as well. Yeah. Another thing too, is why, why would you have, why would you have trust in this guy when he admitted to basically uh, running this webcam studio and basically he admitted to it being a total scam. There's like videos of him saying, oh, this is a total scam. We basically take this money away from these desperate men and these fucking slob ball, these slob jobs uh, because they're unable to get women themselves. And we take them, we take their inheritance. We take everything they got. There's videos of him saying stuff like that. So why would you trust um, this other program that he put out based off of his character and his morals? from uh, the previous uh, operation in the previous studio. And he takes, I heard he takes like a 40% cut um, out of these women. So, you know, they, you have to do an investigation into his background. How is he getting these women? Romania has a huge uh, sex trafficking problem. So uh, how, how is he getting these women to comply with these requests and such? Yeah, he actually got raided by, um, I think it's Interpol, um, which is like the European you know, crime fighting unit that kind of investigates these things. And there was some situation where he said that it was like some girl's boyfriend or whatever that kind of told the authorities and he was based out of the U S and then the U S told Europeans and the Europeans told the Romanians and then the Romanians kind of like pulled up on him, And, uh, they were like, they like confiscated all the shit, like his computers and everything and whatever the case may be. But I think he's out on bail in that thing and it happened pretty recently i think it only happened like a month or two ago so we'll see what happens with that but yeah you're right you're 100 percent right like a 40 percent cut is a little egregious um like typically managers will get like a 10 percent cut and agents will get a 10 percent cut of like a contract they negotiate at least that happens in the sports world and some other worlds and finance particularly but you know, I think I think forty percent is very egregious, and I don't think any like rational fucking person would agree to forty percent. That's kind of nuts. But there are like, you know, you talk about like the webcam shit and whatever. That business model is like kind of dead at this point. It's mostly in like OnlyFans management and stuff like that. That's where you could do really well. Um, but I think, you know, pretty reasonably, a lot of women would agree to like ten percent in a situation like that, especially if you don't have anything. And I think that 10% is like pretty kind of reasonable, but you just don't want to be like a slime ball about it. You know, I think you could do that and and be a guy, but you don't have to be like a dick about it either. You know, I think well, the you can be pretty true. nice to people and you could be, I think you, there's a way to be ethical about it and not kind of like, you know, make the people who pay for that stuff feel like shit. Cause that's not, not really a good thing. Well, Even if you don't is, agree with them, like I would never pay for anything like that. And I know talking to you privately and stuff and just knowing you for as long as I know you, like you wouldn't pay for anything like that either. But if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. Like it's your life. Like I don't really care. But if I'm in the situation where I'm making money because of that, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Like this guy's paying for it. Like who gives a shit, you know, money in, money out. That's business. I, I wouldn't really worry about 
why the person's doing that, you know? Well, the thing, the thing is too, he, he basically put these, these girls through training programs where they were told to like lie and come up with these stories. Like, Oh, that she has a sick dog and a sick grandma and come up with stories to basically keep these men on the, like these sob stories to keep these men on the webcam for uh, longer periods of time, because it's basically $4 a minute. So he would train them on how to like delay the conversation and such. That I did not know about. That is crazy shit. Um, that guy, Tristan, his brother, I saw a podcast with both of them recently. And I think it was the Fresh and Fit podcast. Like one of his appearances on there from like November of 2021. And his brother, Tristan, basically said like he, he trained people on there that would like message or whatever in the chats that he said that he almost had to train them to be like psychologists to talk people out of like killing themselves kind of or like self-harm i guess we'll call it self-harm because i don't need to get fucking demonetized but um yeah i think he said that and he seemed very genuine in saying that but i would not be surprised if it was in a case where he kind of said that but the real reason he did that is because it's like oh no this guy's gonna die like we're going to lose money from him, like that type of thing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was talking people out of doing something harmful just for the sake of, like, keeping them around and keeping them as, like, you know, like a constant flow of income coming in. Stardew Valley hit 20 million units sold. Can you believe it? Now, God, I don't know if you know about this, but Stardew Valley is such an interesting story and, like, the creation of it. Like, I have to bring this up. Um, so it's a game that I played and it's a game that, that a lot of people don't understand like what went into it. Um, so it was created by one fucking guy. One guy made the game and it doesn't look like a very detailed game. Like when you look at it graphically, but it's very detailed. Uh, so it was created by a developer who goes by the name of concerned ape. That's like his online alias and his real name. And we're not doxing him. His real name's out there. You could. I mean, if you look up Concerned Dave, like he, he's public. Uh, his real name is Eric Barone. And in 2011, he graduated with a degree in computer science from the University of Tacoma, Washington. And during that time, he found that it was difficult to find a job, right? So he literally took like whatever job he could get. And from there, he used all of his free time and dedicated it towards like building a game because he got into like, designing video games and he didn't want to work in that industry but he wanted to do that on the side for fun right so over the next four years he made a game and the game was stardew valley and the reason why i bring this up is that he had no help whatsoever he taught himself how to do everything he did all of the coding himself he did all the branding he did all the graphical design level design um there the game is mostly like a farming simulator he did all the farming mechanics. There's like combat mechanics in the game when you go cave dwelling. Um, you know, then there's like interaction with the villagers and, and stuff in the town. Like this guy did everything himself and he literally dedicated like 12 to 14 hours a day for four years every single day, like to make this game. Right. And then he finally released it. And within the first two weeks, they sold half a million units and he sold the game at like $14 a pop. It was like $14.99. So his share on like all these video game 
you know, marketplaces like Steam, the, the Xbox store, PlayStation store, Nintendo store, like all these marketplaces. He, he basically became a millionaire like overnight once it started selling, right? And now he just sold 20 million units. And it's just remarkable because he his team for like updating the game, it's himself and like two other people. And that's it. So in terms of um, like, you know, smaller titles like video games and stuff like that, that have a small development team, they're called indie games. So it's literally the most successful, highest grossing like indie game of all time. And this guy is, he sold 20 million units at like $15 a pop. So do the math on the gross on that. Like the guy's almost like, and he's, and he's in his thirties now um, and he's working on other titles. But, like, he's basically set for life. Like, he never has to work ever again, and the game's, like, ultra successful. And I love that game. Like, it's fucking mad relaxing, and it's just a good way to, like, wind down for, like, an hour or whatever before you go to bed or, like, you know, if you just have, like, some downtime and you're not really working on anything, it's just, like, a fun game to just pop on. And it kind of reminds me of Animal Crossing, but it's, like, way more detailed and there's, like, actual, like, combat mechanics. But I figured I should bring that up because I think it's an important story about how you could overcome the odds if you like put your head down and just grind something out, especially if it's something you're really interested in. And like this guy literally had no money. He was working part time. He was living with his girlfriend and like she was paying most of the bills and stuff like that. And he just dedicated all of his time to like making a game. Now, that's not to, to say that that'll work out for everyone, but like he had an idea of what the end goal would be. He wanted to make it and he didn't make excuses and he work 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week to get to that point. So, you know, I think a lot of people, they just look to make excuses or really what we're going to talk about later on in this episode is like people will look for the easy way out. And as we know, you know, there are no short, there are no shortcuts um, to paths in life that are worth going down. And I think that that's an important juxtaposition, which is why I bring this up as the first topic. But what do you think about that? Like just kind of this guy in general, like Eric, going out and creating his own game, building it out, doing everything himself. He literally recorded the music for the fucking game too. That's what's crazy. He had no employees or nothing? No, no, no employees, contract. nothing, nothing. Four years, just him, recorded the music, did level design, graphics, um, every sort of mechanic in the game, just him. Development team of one, four years, boom, makes a game that gro that grosses $300 million. Is, is this the game that like... um? Kim Kardashian, you know, how she sells, like, the clothing and stuff like that? Is this, is this, like, that kind of game? No, it's not like a mobile game. What it is, um, you could look it up. So it's it basically – it's on mobile, too. It's called Stardew Valley. Um, it, it's – when you look at it, you're like, okay, what the fuck is this? It, it almost – it's like Farmville meets, like, Animal Crossing. It's it basically how I would describe it. Like, there's a monetary system in the game – and you're a farmer. And the whole premise of the game is this. I'll, I'll read the background on it uh, in, in case anyone else is curious. So, uh, you know, it's a very complicated game. But so I'll read it to you. Stardew Valley is an open-ended country life RPG. And the story goes as, as this. You've inherited your grandfather's old farm plot in Stardew Valley, armed with the hand-me-down tools and a few coins. You set out to begin your new life. Can you learn to live off the land and turn these overgrown fields into a thriving home? It won't be easy. Ever since Georgia Corporation moved to town, the old ways of life have all but disappeared. The community center, once the town's most vibrant hub of activity, now lies in shambles. But the valley seems full of opportunity. With little dedication, you might just be the one to restore 
Stardew Valley to greatness. So it's about like a small town and basically like an Amazon like corporation moves in and you can either help like restore the town to like, you know, being lively. And you do that by restoring the community center by completing, you know, different tasks in the game to do that. Like you have to catch a certain number of fish or like you have to catch like different varieties of fish. And, you know, the main aspect of the game is really farming because you inherit in the game, you inherit like your grandpa's like farm. Right. So you plant like different crops. Um, so the game is cool because there's actually like an internal clock. So it'll go through like all the different seasons. And then there's 28 days in each season where basically like there's winter, spring, summer, fall, and like different crops grow in like different climates. So there, there aren't anything that like grows in the winter, obviously, because uh, it's too cold but you get to do like other things you get to go fishing and then like you interact with like the villagers in the game and like all of them are like unique and, and stuff like that. So it's actually a really, you know, intricate game, but this guy literally created everything himself, everything, including the music. Like there's, I think the soundtrack, I don't know the exact number, but I think there might be like 20 or 30 songs on the soundtrack. He literally recorded everything himself. Like how crazy is that? Well, that's like a, that's like an inspiration story that you if you put your mind to something that you can accomplish anything that you want to accomplish as nuts. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad I brought that up because I know a lot of people listening to this they love that game and um, and this guy has like a merch line now with the game too. I saw. Yeah, yeah, and he's launching like guides, and he's he's really smart about it too. He's licensing out. So his main thing now is like he he finished the game. And now he's kind of hands off, right? So like he has a team of devs that like when people have any bugs or problems with the game, they report it to the devs that he hired, the two guys that work for him, and they fix all the glitches and any problems with it. And he just kind of manages them and makes sure that they do that. But in the meantime, now because he's built his own IP, intellectual property for those are, for those of you who don't know, now that he built his own IP, he's like licensing it out. So now he has merchandise coming out like t-shirt stuff like that and then now he even has like a stardew valley board game coming out um so he's doing the right thing he's just licensing onto everything it's going to be a big title and, and another thing too i bring this up you know another really important reason is that the game is selling the game came out six years ago and it's selling at a faster rate today than ever before in terms of daily sales so the game's exploding even more in popularity and and now they added um it w wasn't as like recent, but they they kind of like updated their multiplayer uh, iteration. So now you're going to be able to play the game with friends. So that's a huge thing. So as it becomes more and more available on like every console, um, you know, you're going to be able to play with your friends too, which is big. So like you and your friends could have a fucking farm and like run it and shit. And it's just a fun fucking game. Like you don't have to engage in, you don't even have to go to the mines in the game. Like if you make your guy and you make like a farmer, and you just fucking focus on maxing out like the farm, you could literally make enough money to like pay to like bypass all the mines and all like the combat if you like were bothered by it or like the actual challenging aspects of the game. Like you could literally just be like, ah, fuck it, I don't care. And then just not do that, you know? It's really cool. It's a good game. Or you could just say like, fuck the farm and, and literally just wake up every day in the game and then just hang out with the, like interact with the villagers and like do quests and shit like that. Like you don't even have to like do anything in the game. It's pretty cool. Or if you just want to go fishing and like, that's how your guy makes money. You could literally just go fishing. You don't even have to have a farm. Like you could be like, fuck the farm. 
and just go fishing. Like it, it's a cool game. It's dope. 